sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. You know, these days there is just plenty of intolerance to go around and plenty of opportunities for laws to twist people's arms to do things that they don't want to do. And in this case, really the cutting edge of religious liberty issues for some time has been the clash between conservative religious values about marriage and sexuality and a kind of progressive agenda regarding LGBTQ rights. The case we're going to talk about today, Christian Employers Alliance against the EEOC and HHS. So it pits Christian employers against the federal government. Our guest today, Attorney Jacob Reed, Legal Counsel with Alliance Defending Freedom. Jacob, thanks for being with us on Freedom's Ring today. Absolutely, Alan. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. And at the outset, remind me ADF's website where folks can go and find out more about Alliance Defending Freedom. ADFlegal.org. Very good. Thanks. I couldn't remember if it was ADF or ADF Legal. So yeah. there you go, ADF Legal. So you've been one of the attorneys working on this case. Christian employers are suing the federal government because they object to what? Sure. So a brief summary of the case, if you will. The federal government here issued two separate mandates, one out of the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, and that mandate requires anyone subject to Title VII, so that's most of most employers in the country, to provide... Employers with 15 or more employees. Correct. It requires employers to provide gender transition procedure coverage within their employee health. So they have to pay for these insurance policies and provide this coverage. All right. So let's start with the most basic question. In your interactions with some of these Christian employers, what objections are they communicating to you about? Um, but, but what's your understanding of why some Christian employers object to providing this sort of coverage? Sure. So with regards to our clients, which Christian Employers Alliance is an alliance membership, and everyone is a member of the alliance. They are, by definition, a Christian employer, and there's strict criteria to become a member. So as Christian employers, they hold traditional, sincerely held religious beliefs that God created men and women as you know, a biological binary that is either male or female, that they are created in God's image, and that that's immutable and cannot be changed. So for them to facilitate by paying for insurance coverage for these procedures, they are in effect violating their religious beliefs. Okay. And then you've got the HHS has a separate mandate. That's correct. So HHS enforces the Affordable Care Act, which has its own non-discrimination provision. It's Section 1557 of the ACA, and that prohibits discrimination based on gender identity and sexual orientation. So what does that mean? Well, that means any healthcare provider subject to the ACA, which is nearly every healthcare provider in the United States, they have to perform a gender transition procedure if someone walks through the door and asks for one, 
uh, for failure to do so would be discrimination as the current administration sees it. So we, we sued claiming that that is unconstitutional and you can't force Christian doctors and Christian healthcare providers to perform procedures that, you know, directly contradict and conflict with their Christian religious beliefs. You know, I have to say, I see uh, an important distinction between the two different mandates. Um, the HHS mandate, for starters, I think if that gets reversed, that will reverse a very bad decision from the California Supreme Court a number of years ago in a case that, that we did an amicus brief and a friend of the court brief that, uh, that ruled that doctors really don't have any right on the basis of conscience to object. In that case, it had to do with, uh, in vitro fertilization, you know, family planning type procedures for a, a lesbian couple. Um, that that was discriminatory. Um, but here, to force doctors to go against their better judgment in terms of the kinds of medical care they give, you know, for starters, it really invades doctor-patient, you know, privilege and, and all. So, I, I mean, I think this is a really strong case. And I know we did a show also, if our listeners haven't heard it, ADF is also uh, defending the right of doctors not to participate in assisted suicide. So, you know, it does seem like the left is really going too far in terms of uh, coercing doctors to conform to a, uh, you know, a set of values that, um, that they reject, right? That's the clear situation here. Absolutely. That's exactly right. You know, so these Christian doctors, healthcare providers, nurses, uh, their moral beliefs, their ideology, their Christian beliefs guide every aspect of their lives. And that includes their profession. And, you know, just because you're a, a doctor or a nurse doesn't, and you decide to enter into this medical field, uh, you still have your religious beliefs that are protected by the Constitution and by federal statutes. And the government, the point here is the government can't commandeer, you know, an entire profession and decide what is right and what is wrong. It can't impose its own orthodoxy on the rest of the country. And that's what the federal government has done here. Uh, but the doctors have a constitutional right to uh, engage in their religious beliefs, to practice that. And that guides their actual, you know, performing their medical services that they render for patients. And they care about these patients. Uh, you know, they, of course. Let me ask you, Jacob. What kind of medical specialty actually provides these uh, gender transition services? Is it like OBGYN or some other specialty? Yeah, it, here's the problem. It, it encompasses such a wide array of the medical professions. So obviously, OBGs, and uh, they'd be part of it. In fact, the federal government uses the example in its mandate saying that, you know, if you're a gynecologist that would perform a hysterectomy on a woman for you know, maybe cancer, ovary cancer, something along those lines, that the mandate now requires that an OBGYN perform that same procedure on a biological woman who believes that she is, in fact, you know, a male. Right. So it encompasses a wide array. It, it goes even to counseling and psychological treatment, hormone treatment. So it covers a broad aspect of America's healthcare system. The reason I ask and drill down on this is because 
Um, it's my understanding that there's a shortage, especially in rural areas, of OBGYNs. And, you know, it's a very, uh, it's a specialty that's subject to a lot of medical malpractice cases that already discourage people from going into the profession. And this kind of thing would just discourage more people from going into the profession. And, you know, in terms of women's health, generally, I think it would be counterproductive. That's kind of my thinking. But let's turn for a minute on the notion of whether having to pay to provide benefits that your employees may or may not actually utilize, you know, that's their independent choice, you know, the extent to which that really presents a religious freedom issue. Because I think that's a much harder case than coercing the doctors. Uh, talk to me about, you know, how you make that case, first of all. Sure. So the CEA members as Christian employers, you know, they have a, their religious beliefs guide every aspect of their business, whether for-profit or non-for-profit. That includes providing benefits. In fact, their religious beliefs compel these employers to provide benefits for their employees because they care about them, right? So they have a religious obligation to say, hey, we care about our employees. So we want to provide you health insurance. We want to be able to take care of you. You know, we want your families to be in good shape and health. So they have a religious obligation to do that. So with that comes the issue from EEOC, which says, well, if you're going to provide insurance, which, you know, a lot of these employers have to because of Obamacare. There's a, if you employ more than 50 employees, you have to provide it. Um, but the point is, you know, the employers here want to provide it. And EEOC says, well, you have to provide this gender transition service. And that, you know, that facilitates these services, whether an employee elects to have it done or not. The fact is the employer is paying for it, and that violates the rules. So let me ask this question. Um, presumably, prior to the EEOC's mandate, and, you know, up until now, there are insurance companies that have offered uh, coverage that does not include gender transition procedures, right? That's correct. And you're nodding your head, you know, we're on Zoom, but our listeners, you know, I, I like to joke I've got a great face for radio, you know, sure. but our listeners can't see me. Um, so um, my question is whether the coverage, whether these companies then raise their rates when they have to include the gender transition and how significant those rate increases might be if it really does impact Right. You know, these are group rates spread around a lot of people, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's it's definitely a possibility, you know, whether that has happened uh, for certain, I, I can't speak to. But what I can say uh, is that certain insurance companies have required religious employers to enter into additional indemnification agreements saying that if the federal government pursues enforcement against us as the insurer, you, the employer, has to indemnify us for that because we're providing, you know, a health plan that might not comport with what the federal government requires. So that has, you know, placed extra burdens mm -hmm. on these employers mm -hmm. just to purchase health plans that are, you know, in compliance with their beliefs. Well, so here it strikes me that as a court is going to analyze this, they're going to have this kind of balance between, on the one hand, the employer has a sincerely held belief not to pay for procedures that their workers may or may not uh, choose to utilize, but it's part of the, the package. So they're paying for the coverage, but they may not actually be paying for the procedures. 
And moreover, the workers, if they decide to use that coverage, that's kind of an independent choice. It's kind of like we have vouchers that the courts have approved for education where, well, it's not really state funding of religion because it's uh, parental choice, not the state's choice, whether to spend it on something. But here, I guess interfering with that sort of individual choice is simply the mandate to pay for the coverage, whether or not that coverage is used. That's right. So again, the issue, the purpose of the lawsuit is you have the federal government telling religious employers they have to provide this coverage. So it's not a decision for the employer to make, it's the federal government telling them. And that's the issue. And that's that's what causes the religious burden. So, you know, the government, they can say they have certain interests in prohibiting discrimination and providing these procedures, but that's not the question, right? The question is, can the federal government have what we call in the legal world a compelling interest to force a religious employer to expend its own money to provide a coverage that conflicts with its religious beliefs? And it clearly does not. Right. Um, and that's the whole purpose. Well, of so, you know, many years ago, I want to say going back to circa 2004, maybe, we had a bill in California dealing with women's health coverage. And a Jewish colleague of mine, a faculty member at UC Davis Law School, published an opinion piece in the LA Times urging that, you know, yeah, if the state has a sufficient interest to see that all women have access to this coverage, they can provide the coverage. Right. You know, there's alternatives where the state, or in this case, the federal government, can see that the workers have access to the coverage without making the employers pay for it. There's an easy workaround, right? That's right, absolutely. Again, going back to the legalese, that's, there's less restrictive ways to achieve any interest the government has without forcing religious employers. So, Jacob, we're out of time. Our guest today, Jacob Reed, Legal Counsel with Alliance Defending Freedom. We've been speaking about Christian Employers Alliance against the EEOC and HHS, a case we will surely keep you posted on in the future. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.